This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's overtime. Scott Jackson with you here on 106.7 The Fan tonight. We are here till 10 o'clock, and as promised, our pleasure to bring in from Pro Football Focus. He breaks down the commanders each and every week. Nick Ackridge, good enough to join us via the BetQL guest hotline. Good evening, Nick. How you doing? I'm good. How about yourself? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Just, uh, you know, these last few weeks have been interesting, and I, I saw your grading today, and I uh, thought this is a great time to get you on. Uh, I saw a lot of people kind of you know, wanting to know from you, you know, how you guys come up with some things, in particular uh, on the topic of Taylor Heineke and some of the plays that weren't turnovers but were almost turnovers or maybe the should have been turnovers and those kind of things. So I want to start there with you because I saw the the numbers. Uh, you guys had him in the first half at a 20.4 and then for the second half at 86.8. So it is not crazy when we all say after the game immediately, I've never seen a quarterback have such a terrible half and then such a great half because that's really what happened here. Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty insane. His first four or five passes were, I mean, it looked like almost like a high school quarterback time, and then he he came in in the second half and looked incredible. Um, but yeah, we had we chart turnover worthy plays, um, and that's essentially what you saw from Heineke in the first half. It's those plays where it's, you know it's an overthrow, and the corner just drops it or misplays it or something like that. We're still grading that as a turnover. Um, because once that ball leaves his hand, he can't really control what happens with it. Um, so it just kind of helps, you know, our grade and helps kind of predict future success. Um, like a good example of that this year is Cooper Rush for Dallas. A lot of people were talking about should he replace Dak because he, he was playing well, didn't throw any interceptions, throwing touchdowns, but he had five turnover-worthy plays in those games that he was playing in. He was just getting lucky, and then we saw it um, on a, in his last game where he had those two, three, two or three picks and, you know, just kind of – you, know, you get lucky at the quarterback position, but you know the, that luck all, will always regress, regress at some point. Now, that's a great point uh, that you bring up because, um, yeah, I do. I do remember people talking about Cooper Rush, and I was like, eh, I don't know. I mean, this feels like <laughs> don't think he's quite Dak Prescott, but we'll see. Uh, now, as as far as what you guys had for Carson Wentz throughout the first part of the season, and I know it's hard to kind of compare, um, you know, with, with just a one game for Taylor Heineke, but in terms of Heineke from, say, last season to what we saw from Wentz from the first six weeks, how, how do those uh, numbers kind of line up? Yeah, they're, they're pretty similar. Um, if, if we kind of look at every single game that Taylor's played um, with the commanders and football team, um, it kind of lines up pretty similar to Carson Wentz. Um, I put out a tweet last week kind of comparing the two. And so Carson Wentz in his four games with the commanders is 63.1 overall grade. Heineke in his career with Washington, this is including the playoff game, 66.6 overall grade. So they're very similar in the type of quarterbacks that they are when it comes to results. Like they, they can have those really just boneheaded plays where 
you know, the turnover-worthy plays that we were talking about in the first half, but then he, they can come out and have that sort of second half. And Carson had the same thing with the Jaguars game. Like, he had a rough first half, but came out and made some really good, good plays. They're the same sort of quarterback in that they are average to kind of below average quarterbacks, but can have these moments that make you think that, hey, they might actually be more than just average. Yeah, I think the thing that stands out for me, especially over these last, you know, several weeks with the end of what we saw of Wentz was, you know, the, the, the kind of the hidden stats from, from the PFF standpoint, which is, you know, the third down conversions or the lack thereof, the lack of plays. I mean, they just they couldn't stay on the field as an offense, which just it, it just ruins the entire operation in a sense. Yeah, definitely. I am. He's getting used to this offense. You know, Taylor's been in this offense for almost his entire career now, even going back to Carolina. So it'll always take time for quarterbacks to kind of get adjusted and trust what the play caller is calling. And you could see that from Carson Wentz. He was just kind of missing guys at times. Just from a read standpoint, he just wasn't kind of getting to the right read. Um, So, you know, maybe with more games that that could improve. But what we saw from Heineke is is kind of similar. So I don't don't know if you kind of keep rolling with Heineke, even if Wentz comes back, because – You've seen them play at similar levels, and one costs a lot more than the other. Yeah, and then one could cost even more when you talk about that 70% number if they get to that you know, with Carson Wentz in the, in the second-round pick. So that's what uh, is going to be interesting when the time comes. Obviously, Ron Rivera's done a nice job sidestepping that, <laughs> that question uh, so yeah. far in terms of how they're going to handle it. We're talking to Nick Ackridge uh, about uh, the commander's uh, pro football focus information. He's going to have to join us here via – uh, the BetQL guest hotline here on Overtime on 106.7. The fans, Scott Jackson here with you. All right, who, who has been the best Commanders player on offense this year? And, you know, I know it's tough uh, sometimes for, for some of these guys that are dependent players, like the receivers, uh, for example. But, but who has been the most consistent Commanders person in terms of grading out? Yeah, it's been Charles Leno Jr. Um, just from a pass-blocking standpoint, he's always been one of the best pass-blocking tackles in the entire NFL and a lot of people kind of, you know, scoff at that. Like, no, this, this offensive line has been bad. It can't possibly – he can't possibly grade out well. But the offensive line is kind of a weak link unit. If, if one part of those five guys doesn't look so great, then the rest of the line looks bad. But we're grading the individual guys. So if yeah. Leno's not losing his reps, it might look bad for everybody else, but he's still going to grade out well for us. And it's kind of, that's kind of similar with Cosme, but Cosme's <clears throat> grade is up there as well. But that's mostly – led by his, his run blocking grade. It's an 89.3. He's an incredible run blocker. He struggled a bit in pass protection, but run blocking is, is kind of where he makes his money. But it's been those two tackles that are up towards the top and then followed by Gibson and McLaurin right behind him. Yeah, and in McLaurin's case, you know, he doesn't get to obviously give himself the chances, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, all the time, which is, which is tough on him. But uh, obviously, he, he has been – I used to use this phrase all the time talking about DeAndre Hopkins back when he was with the Texans prior to the Sean Watson play, but it feels like Terry McLaurin is one of these guys that is quarterback-proof a, a, in a sense. Yeah. Really yeah, knows. no, he, he definitely is. Like, And we've seen it throughout his entire career that he's played with six or seven different quarterbacks and he continues to produce. And, you know, we thought – a lot of people thought this year with, with Carson Wentz and somebody who could really throw an effective deep ball that – we see a lot more of it, but with when Carson Wentz was in the game, we really weren't seeing it. Like this was kind of a slower start to Terry's season than comparing in, in years past. But he's getting open. Like if you're watching the All 22 after the game, you can see him consistently get open, and he was doing that again um, against the Packers. And Heineke just trusts him. He he will throw it to him no matter what, and sometimes that's bad, and sometimes that's good. 
and we saw with the touchdown, we saw with the third down conversion. That time it was good. Other times, not so great, and you just kind of live and die by those sort of throws. But Terry's usually open, so it's always good to get in the ball. Now, um, you know, what, one of the things that kind of blew me away about Wentz seeing him here was you know, the middle of the field didn't feel like it was ever open for him, at least. Uh, and the lack of tight end, and I know they've had guys in and out of the lineup, but, you know, this week alone with, you know, down to really what the fifth guy, is he the fifth guy or is he the fourth guy? I always get this screwed up. Yeah, fourth guy, I guess, of Rodgers, right? Uh, you know, Taylor Heineke still found a way to get Armani Rodgers involved, you know, and again, in the middle of the field. But that's just whatever reason. I mean, Wentz, I think at one point, and this was a couple weeks ago, he had, like, the lowest, like, maybe, like, under 100 yards in between the hashes this season or something crazy like that? Yeah, and that kind of speaks more to not being comfortable with the offense. If you're a quarterback, you want to be safer on the outside because you can't really tell what's happening in the middle of the field at times. And the tight end does definitely, you know, hurt him in that sort of case. We haven't had really a healthy Logan Thomas, and then you're just kind of counting on, you know, rookies and undrafted guys. So um, I think it's just, it's tough to kind of fully judge Wentz right now. I know we want to after, you know, the, the big money we're paying him and the draft picks we gave up, but it, it'll take time if he can be, you know, the guy. Um, I've had my issues with him in the past just because I, I just don't trust him from a sort of read and decision-making standpoint. It seems like he leaves a lot on the table, but um, he's just, he's only four or five, six games in this offense. And it, 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 it takes time to, learn an offense, trust an offense, you know, be on the same page as your play caller. Um, so I think that's kind of where you see that discrepancy. Yeah, and that, again, that's why it's fascinating to see what they'll do when he is available again, and I guess a lot of it may depend on where this team is. Uh, Nick Ackridge is with us talking uh, about the commanders from Pro Football Focus with us here on 106.7 The Fan, overtime, and you also hear us on the free Odyssey app. All right, before we flip over to defense, um, what what have the guards in the interior and, and obviously the guard in the centers now looked like over these last couple of weeks? It seemed like there's been some improvement there because for a while, I mean, it was it was ugly. Obviously, the most the ugliest moments were when Trey Turner was on the field, but they obviously fixed that problem in the middle of the Cowboys game. Yeah, no, it's been rough that that interior three. Norwell's been has been better these past couple of weeks, but that right guard and center position has has been really tough and. Chase really going down and not really being fully healthy at the start of the season was was a big big issue there. And I've always thought he's been the most important piece on that offensive line. The center usually is because he's the guy making the calls. He's the guy that you can kind of trust and count on. And he's been one of the best centers in the NFL for his career, basically. And having him go down the end of last year, I and mean, then you're constantly rotating centers in and, and centers in and guards in and stuff like that. It's just going to make the entire offensive line look bad. Kind of like I said earlier, but. Yeah, it's gotten a little bit better. Um, I think Sadiq Charles, is he struggled at times in pass pro, but run blocking, he, he's a little bit better. Um, I, it's just it's rough between this, the center and right guard right now. Um, everyone that's kind of coming in is playing at kind of a below average level, but it, it, it sort of worked last week. You know, the, the ground game got going. If you can kind of keep it towards the left side of that the line, and it, it was working. All right. Now, as we flip it over to defense, you know, certainly the the guys up front, it, it seems like they score, you know, the, the front four have uh, graded out very well. And even even Obata, uh, who, you know, is not a starter, has been part of that. How, how has the, the defense looked? And has it truly been those guys and obviously also Cam Curl that have been the best guys week in and week out? Yeah, our top three right now is, is Montez Sweat, Cameron Curl, and, and Derek Forrest. Sweat's been 
really, really good um, from a run defense perspective. He's always been an elite like uh, run defender. Um, he's gotten a little more better, a little better pass rushing pressures are up there a little bit, but um, with Allen and Payne, our grades don't really do them justice. Uh, it's mostly because they play so many snaps. Usually right. when you have interior defensive linemen, you're rotating them out. They're playing 50 to 60% of the snaps on defense. And that's what they were doing last year. And that's when they can kind of be at, you know, full energy and kind of tee off and do what they're supposed to. They're playing 80%, 90% of the snaps. Um, I, I think Allen and Payne both missed maybe six snaps against the Packers. So, you know, it, it, our grading system is if they're, they're rushing the pass and they're getting a zero, that means they're not beating their blocker. So it's sort of a downgrade in our system. But a lot of times they just kind of have to take plays off just to kind of rest themselves. They just don't have any time to really rest. And it, it shows in our grading a little bit, um, especially with pain. But Jonathan Allen has been getting his pressures like usual. But, yeah, the safeties of Cameron Crow and, and Derek Forrest have been really impressive. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Forrest, this is amazing. After the rookie season where he barely got on the field in terms of a defensive player that he played special teams quite often, uh, has been a, been quite a find for them. Uh, we're talking to Nick Ackrich, uh, Commander's uh, uh, pro football focus with us here on the Team 9 stream live on the free Odyssey app. Chase Young last year, and obviously it was a shorter season because of the injury, but, but how different were his grades from you guys in terms of where he was the previous year? I know he didn't have the sack numbers, but did that also show up on you know the PFF grades? Yeah, it wasn't as great as his rookie season, um, at least starting out. He had, some, he had some good games where he had six pressures, seven pressures, um, so it was, it was a, it was a decent start. Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't as good as his rookie year. And that was a little, little discouraging, but he's always been an incredible athlete and he used that athleticism to his advantage his rookie year. Um, and he kind of tried to, he was in his head too much, you know, last year and he, he was trying to get too creative with his moves and he, he just needs to, you know, just go around people. He, he's skilled and talented enough to do that sort of thing. So I, I don't have any worries with him whenever he comes back. Um, it, it's taken a lot longer than a lot of us thought when he come, when he's going to come back, but um, I, I don't have any worries with him. Had a little bit of a down year coming off his, his stellar rookie year, but uh, I think once he gets back on the field and is fully healthy, I think we'll see the number two overall pick again. All right, so let me ask you this about the what you guys do at Pro Football Focus. Like For, for your example, obviously you, you deal with the commanders. Um, are, is it just you, or do you have other people that that, ch- that do this with you each week so you don't, you're not like spending day and night breaking down every single player? Yeah, no, it, it's not just me. We've got we've got tons of people. Sometimes I'll get lucky enough and get, well, it depends on what the game is. Sometimes I'll get um, the commanders um, and grade them. But even if someone's doing the first-run grading from broadcast, there's not, we can't see everything from broadcast, though. So. Um, that's when review comes in and there's four or five other people. We have former coaches, former players, um, that are reviewing grades and kind of giving their final say on some of those in between questions that we have. Um, but it's, it's never just one person and it's definitely not just me doing commander stuff. I wish it was, but, um, (laughs) no, that's, that's not the case. So it's kind of on a weekly schedule. We kind of rotate in and out. Um, for example, last week I had the pleasure of doing the Jags and Giants game. So, um, Every week it'll change, but it's never just one or, or two people doing it. It's, it's usually about six or seven guys grading it, and then we have a bunch of other people doing other processes, collecting collecting data that we provide for the teams. 
No, that's great. Um, and and it, and it like I feel like you guys are constantly tweaking it to like learning from what you do. Just uh, yeah. reading stories a couple of years ago about Chris Collinsworth when he got involved, obviously, and, and how you do it, which I think is really it was really smart and interesting that you guys do that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we kind of self scout during the off season when there's no football. Right. Um, don't have that chance anymore because of all the spring leagues that are happening, and <laughs> that means more money for us, but more work right. for me. Um, but yeah, we, we kind of do tweak a few things and we kind of make adjustments, see where we were, you know, overgrading things, undergrading things and kind of make adjustments. So sometimes you'll see grades change during the off season and mm-hmm. people kind of freak out. They're like, Oh, they, they got caught and now they're changing it. But no, we're just kind of tweaking things and, you know, making sure that everything is, is as close to perfect as possible. It'll never be perfect sure. because like everyone complains, we don't know the play calls. We don't, but yeah we have enough data to kind of go back and see like, Hey, this guy should be doing this on this certain play. And, right, right. and so, yeah, I think it's an incredible tool even before I started working for them. And I think yeah, it's kind no, of the it best is. way to, it, I think it's the best way to, you know, get a good grasp on a player without fully watching them. And, and a lot of times fans are just watching red zone. So they see the big touchdowns, big plays, and they aren't, they're not seeing the 70 other plus snaps. So, well, in, in the case, let's be honest, uh, there's a good example. And I feel like I'm just bashing Carson Wentz all tonight. But, you know, Carson Wentz, 27-7, and seven, right? Oh, my God, he threw 27 yeah. touchdowns and just seven picks. And then you go in and you watch the games. You're like, ooh. like <laughs> I mean, and there were yeah. some games that, you know, they won that, like, they totally de-emphasized him. I mean, he was, you know, he barely threw the football. He threw the football 12 times in, one of the, in a couple of their wins. It's crazy. Yeah, when I went back through and watched all the games, uh, the Colts games from last year after the, the Commanders traded for him, it's, it was he was very conservative. It was kind of yes. weird. It, it wasn't the same Eagles Carson Wentz we've seen running for his life and throwing the ball absolutely everywhere. He was very conservative with the Colts, and he was passing up on a lot, a lot of checkdowns, a lot of like easier throws. Like I say, he was conservative, but he was not conservative enough at times. Like yeah. he instead of just kind of taking checkdowns and easy throws and making the right read and get the ball out quick, he was. He was trying to scramble and escape, and uh, it was it was a very very weird fit there with the Colts last year. Yeah, and you know, unfortunately, I kind of feel like it's been that way here since week two. Uh, <laughs> it's been uh, just doesn't look like a real comfortable guy for the most part, outside of a few plays here and there. Uh, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what they end up doing. Obviously, where they are when he is available again uh, to get back on the field. Hey, Nick, man, appreciate your insights from uh, Pro Football Focus. Nick Ackridge, good enough to uh, share some insights on this commander's team and obviously in the process of Pro Football Focus. Great stuff, man. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks for coming on uh, via the via the BetQL guest hotline. Bet Smarter, be the books. Download the BetQL app today. Um, thanks for Nick joining us. and Good stuff. Um, and, again, yes, it is just six games in, but – you know, that price is big, and I guess there it would be a scenario uh, potentially um, where they could try to renegotiate his contract going into next offseason if they felt there was still more work to be done that could work out and it wouldn't be as uh, tough of a pill to swallow. But, you know, if it's going to be at the 28 mil range, it's going to be a tough one. That's definitely going to be a tough one to, uh, to deal with with what we've seen so far. But who knows? Maybe the second time around with a clean new finger, he'll uh, <laughs> he'll do better things. All right, coming up, we'll uh, recap some stuff Nick said. We'll get back to uh, some phones at 800-636-1067, um, Scott Jackson with you here. It is overtime on 106.7 The Fan.
calls here in a bit, 800-636-1067. 800-636-1067. The uh, conversation we just had, thanks to Nick Ackridge from um, Pro Football Focus and the Commanders. And again, the Timber Heineke numbers prior to this past week in terms of the PFF ratings were better than the first six games with Carson Wentz. But, uh, you know, Nick brings up a fair point. Look, he doesn't know the offense. Um, he's still learning it. You know, they've had issues, obviously, the offensive line, all these things. Uh, you know, and that's fine. And, and, look, they're saying the same stuff in Indianapolis about what's going on with with Matt Ryan. But yet they're pulling the plug on it already. I mean, they're pulling the plug on it. They're not, he's not playing again this year because they want to see what they have in the in the cheaper player and the guy who can protect himself in terms of running away from the rush. So that's what will be interesting here from the commander's standpoint. And, and again, that 70% threshold with the draft pick thing obviously comes into play here. And and by the way, I mean, and I haven't even brought I you know, we talked briefly earlier about the Jim Irsay comments on Dan Snyder. You think Dan Snyder wants to give Jim Irsay anything more than he has to for Carson Wentz? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know Ron Rivera's that doesn't come into play, but please, it may not for you, but it may for be the guy who signs your checks. You think Dan Snyder wants to give Jim Irsay anything, let alone a second-round pick for a guy who's been, well, not good? Come on. It's a great Warner Warfel has said. Come on. Yeah, so there's that part of it, too. I mean, there's a way for them to manipulate it. You know, look, you already have these free games, these three games for sure that he's out maybe longer, right? Even if you think, okay, you know, we could roll him out next year and we could work with him a full off season together again, you know, with him and Scott or him and somebody else. I mean, whatever it may be, right? Like, you could talk yourself into that. But it can't be a $28 million or whatever the number is next year. It, it's got to be, like, he's got to take a pay cut. Would he want to do that? I don't know. I mean, how many other opportunities would he have elsewhere? Um, and then you would still you could still address the quarterback as we were talking about earlier with Al Galdi, and that's very true. You still have Sam Howell here. Um, you know Taylor's going to be a free agent. Uh, you know I don't know what um, to me he's the perfect backup quarterback. I mean he really is uh, for this team because he knows the system. Uh, he can come in, he can plug and play. Uh, you know, in again immediate spark. However, you know for again a guy like Carson, who. We know that you know doesn't always connect or click with the locker room when you have a guy that's extremely popular like Taylor. Maybe you know moving on elsewhere if you think Sam Howell is something that would be better. I don't know. I mean, I'm getting way ahead of myself here. But six games is six games not enough. I mean, let, let's just go from that perspective. Do you think six games is just not fair? I mean, or if you're like, no, 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 we've got enough. It's not just the six games, Scott. It's the Indianapolis ending. It's the Philadelphia ending. It's this, you know, it's the eye test, man. He's just not moving like he used to, right? I mean, he's just, you know, he's not running away from people anymore. So all those things um, give you pause to say, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't need to see much more. Maybe, again, he'll get to play some, but just make sure that 70% is protected before you go into the offseason. But I do think a lot of it will depend on where they are once he's healthy, in terms of the, you know, are they above 500? Are they back in or Did they want four or five? Have they won, have they just gone 500 with Heineke? Um, you know, have you seen just enough of the frustrations from the previous years with Taylor to the point where you're going to say, yeah, you know what, he's good. We like the fact that he can move, but, you know, that arm problem's still there. You know, let's bring up Sam Howell for a while. I mean, that, and that's the other thing. 
And it, you know, and I don't know what order they would see it in. Maybe it's, you know, Wentz is back for a few weeks, then it's like, all right, we're out of it. Carson, sorry, you're going to have to sit down. We don't want to give it the 70%. And um, we're going to put uh, Sam in to see what we got there going into the offseason before we make all of our decisions. So we have all the information possible. None of that's unreasonable. Honestly, none of that is unreasonable. I can say that, you know what, I don't necessarily need to see any more of 11, but I'll understand if they do it again, and I won't be surprised. And I'd probably bet on them doing it again. I'd probably suspect that we'll see him again this season. And the 70% thing, though, like I said, could you really see Dan Snyder wanting to sign off on that? Oh, yeah, sure. Go, go ahead and give him that you know, better pick. We, we definitely want to do that. Let's, get, let's give him another one. Yeah, I don't see it. All right, 800-636-1067, 800-636-1067. Get to your calls. Do you think um, Carson Wentz, six is fair enough to say, yeah, we uh, blew it here, we got to move on, or no? You, you think you need to see more, and you're not even worried about the 70% perhaps? Or you just want to see, you know, maybe like 68% uh, of the snaps in order to make that decision. We'll get to your calls coming up. You can also hit me up via Twitter at Jackson Sports. It's overtime here on 106.7 The Fan, streaming live on the free Odyssey app. All right, back here on Overtime on 106.7 The Fan, streaming live on the free Odyssey app. 800-636-1067, if you want to uh, jump on the phone lines with us. So, um, discussing Carson Wentz and his salary, or his um, situation, obviously. Salary is a big part of this. I mean, you're talking about a guy this year that is, you know, taking up 28 million plus of your cap. Next season it goes down slightly to 26.17, but as we mentioned there's that 70% of snaps thing this year that would trigger a second rounder to the Colts in addition to uh this, you know, what you gave up this year, the third rounder and and clearly that does not seem ideal for this team. And certainly you know, now that they have a little bit of a, quote, break in the sense that, <laughs> no pun intended, because of the broken finger, that he will be out at least the next three games. So that changes the calculus a little bit. You know, I I don't think this is like the Cooper Rush situation and Dak Prescott. But they may think differently. I, I don't see him as Dak Prescott, right? I mean, he's not your rock-solid, yeah, you're sure he's your franchise guy. Because let's be honest, if they really thought he was that guy, they would have torn up his – year-by-year contract when after they traded for him and, you know, give him a contract, give him new money, show him that he was that guy. But they didn't do that. Um, instead, they chose to play it the way they're doing it, which is not a bad idea. I mean, I, I think it's smart uh, to do it that way. Now, could they kind of Baker Mayfield the next offseason if he, you know, if they wanted to, to get him to take a pay cut? Potentially, but maybe he'd say no, you know. Maybe he'd say, no, thanks, cut me. And then, you'd, then you know. You're starting over again. I mean, look, I think you're starting over either way. I mean, you got to continue to take a swing at it until you find the right guy. Um, but, you know, again, we don't know what Hal is. Um, I'm not under, again, the illusion that uh, Taylor Heineke is suddenly Joe Burrow uh, over the offseason. But I do think he's somebody in the formula they want to play and with what they have right now they could win with. Um, now, how big could they win? I don't know. You know, I, I'm not sure it's – it's hard to see them making the playoffs. It really is. I mean, even if they get the 500 this weekend, when you start doing the, 
you know, the math on – and they do get the Giants twice, I get it. But New York, the way they've come out of the shoot like a rabbit, um, certainly with where, where Dallas is, New York lost to them head-to-head, Philadelphia is undefeated. I mean, that's a lot of ground to make up in just your division, not not to mention the entire, you know, playoff picture in the, in the uh, NFC. I mean, so in terms of being a wild card right now, I mean, you are, you know, you're – you're looking at you're at eleventh right now. You know you're in the eleventh spot. They do win a tiebreaker over the Bears, um, but they'll get like they'll get some of these teams head to head though. I mean I guess that's the part you got to look at. Like they'll get the Forty ers They won't have the Rams, but you know they'll get Dallas again. They get, as I said they get the Giants twice. So you know I have a chance to climb up. It just seems like it's really far fetched. I'm not going to go Jim Mora and go playoffs. You got to be kidding me. But I do kind of feel that way when I hear it. All right, 800-636-1067, 800-636-1067. Let's go to Andre Manassas. How you doing, Andre? Hey, I'm doing well. So I was listening to your show, and you know, you said something that I don't want to say arc me because you're just you know speaking the facts that offensive line play is is down in the NFL. But you know, I guess I started thinking about why is that the case? Why all of a sudden you know running backs are devalued, offensive linemen can't play. But supposedly wide receivers are getting better and, you know, quarterbacks, you need a scramble quarterback. To me, something this, this seems like a disconnect. Like, ultimately, the only position that's getting better in the NFL are wide receivers. And I, I started to wonder why that is. It's not like, you know, is, are defensive, just, defensive linemen just better than offensive linemen coming out of high school and college? So I, I, was, I was curious as to whether or not, and I'm looking at the game the commanders played and how it seemed like the offensive coordinator um, – you know, he called a game plan that seemed more fit for not Heineke, but for, for Wentz. It, it just seems like a lot of these offensive coordinators now or head coaches or offensive guys, they're so young. Some of them never really played ball. And I think a lot of them just like, hey, you, we got to play and we got to play. We got to win my way. Um, I was listening to Grant, not Grant, um, JP and um, J, JP shows yesterday and a couple of days ago, and he was talking about how um, – prior to the the Packers game. And he had a guy, Don, talking about how Michael Ford's new offense is totally anathema to what um, Aaron Rodgers has done his entire career. And he's forcing Aaron Rodgers after 20-plus years to, to play in an offense that is different than what Aaron Rodgers and, you know, part of, you know, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers struggle. I mean, short of those guys dropping the balls. But it, it just seems that we have all these new young offensive coordinators or head coaches who, you know, didn't really – coach in the NFL or they just got the position and seems like they're trying to fit, um, you know, a, a wrong ball in a, square, in a square peg. And I wonder if it's really the offensive linemen who are struggling or just these head coaches who are forcing the team to play a certain way. And, you know, it's just not, well, you know, a, a good yeah. fit for the team. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I think in the case of the Packers, there's a lot more going on there. There's a talent issue. Um, you had a quarterback that, you know, has no interest in grooming anybody or, you know, or doing any of the stuff that a lot of other quarterbacks have had to put up with in the past. I mean, you know, I, again, he, he wasn't exactly the greatest version of himself this past weekend. But, yeah, they had dropped some drop balls, no doubt. And their offensive line isn't particularly good either. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, they're, listen, we, when we always talk about this the, with young coordinators and, and young and coaches, you don't get hired on, you know, running the football, right? You don't – they don't get promoted – uh, for you know, doing those kind of things, and, and the, the league is begging you to throw the football. But the problem is, there's so many teams that have quarterbacks that 
that really aren't very good at it or, or offenses aren't really set up for it, which is part of the problem. I don't know. I, I think, again, these next few weeks we'll see more and more, we'll get more data, as they say, on whether or not this is a, you know, again, is this going to prove that Scott Turner uh, just had the, the wrong subject or was he doing a bad job for his subject? I, you know, it's hard to say at this point. But I think a lot of the bad habits that followed Carson Wentz other places in terms of the commander situation have reared their ugly head here in those first six games. But, yeah, as far as the league goes, you're right. There is a huge disconnect. And, you know, and the, the, here's the other thing. I mean, like, once Rodgers is done and Brady's done, which could be next off seasons for both or one of the two of them, I mean, where are these next guys coming from? Besides, okay, yeah, you got – Mahomes and Burrow and Herbert are these stars, right? The obvious stars. But where are the where are the other guys coming from? Um, you know, I don't know. Is Tua going to be a star? I mean, Hurts maybe. Um, it's hard to say. It just it doesn't feel like there's a lot of guys on the rise. There's not as many on the rise as there's teams that need them. At this point, is what I'd say. Hopefully, this next draft, which on paper it could be very fruitful. Uh, but we'll see. Hey, Tim, go ahead. You're next up from Maryland here on uh, Overtime of 106 of the Fan. Yeah, how you doing? Good, buddy. Um, you know, I, I really think they should uh, that they should they should be playing uh, how to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, you got to give the guy a shot, give him a chance. Um, you know, uh, and I'm not believe me, I'm not comparing him to Tom Brady, but yeah. Tom Brady, nobody thought he was worth a you know, anything either. I and, think they like um, Hal. I just think they want to make sure they give him a chance, right? I mean, he's literally been the third-string quarterback for the first six weeks of the season. I mean, it's not the same workload of preparation. Yeah, but throw him in there. See, see what he's got, Well, you know? I, don't, I don't. But I think that's the problem. They don't just want to throw him in there. They want to make sure whenever the time comes, it's the time is right, whether that happens because Heineke is ineffective or injured during this, you know, next four weeks or three weeks, excuse me, at this point or four weeks, whatever it ends up being for Carson. Then right, be right. I understand, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think that's a bad idea. I think a lot of times in the past with rookie quarterbacks, not just here but in other places, they, they do just, quote, throw them in there and they're not ready for it and, and it's ugly. Yeah, I think and you're right. He's got some skill sets that I think you're, you can be excited about. I think there's a little Heineke in him in terms of his improvision, and I think he also has got a livelier arm. Uh, but I also think, as you saw this year in the preseason, even you know, look, he like a lot of guys, he stares down his receivers. He doesn't, he didn't know the offense completely, uh, you know. So I think these are things they're hopefully going to be able to work with him on, and the time may come. I mean, the odds are now, now that you got into number two, that number three will eventually play this year. I mean, we've seen this with this team for how many years in a row where they had four quarterbacks playing for goodness sakes, uh, some seasons because of some of the goofy stuff that's happened, but. I don't. I don't think it's a nutty idea at all. I mean, especially if you're either if you're out of it, you know, you know, after that four week, five week period, uh, and then that would be a good opportunity to go for it there, or just at the end of the year to tack it on, just to make sure you you have a good feeling going into the off season what he is. So, you know, we'll see how they handle it. I just, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the idea of throwing bad money on top of bad money, even though it's not my money. But I would, you know, vote against that. And, again, the second-round pick is valuable. I mean, yes, they might swing and miss on it, but it's still valuable, and it's something you can always, you know, it's a, it's too large of an asset to give up for a guy who, you know, just hasn't shown you much of anything. And, look, they're not alone. Every quarterback that changed teams this offseason has looked miserable. I mean, it really has been awful. 
been an awful year for uh, quarterbacks moving places. All right. Coming up, we'll uh, continue to hit more calls, 800-636-1067, 800-636-1067. Want to talk about the NFL trading deadline because there might be some opportunities there for the commanders depending on you know what your stomach is for making moves beyond just, yeah, let's get William Jackson the third on the next bus out of here. So we'll get to that coming up. And a strange thing about a college football conference taking credit for Taylor Heineke, even though he never played in that conference. We'll get to that next here on Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Back here on Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Scott Jackson here with you. 800-636-1067. Saw the thing today was kind of funny. Um, the Sunbelt Conference uh, pumps out like a lot of conferences do when alums of their conference are doing at the next level. Whatever the sport may be, NBA, you know, or, you know, basketball, baseball, football, obviously in this case. So Sunbelt pumps out this thing today. It says, in command at Commanders, Taylor Heineke and P. Butler, that would be Percy Butler, highlights the Sunbelt alumni performances in NFL Week 7. Sunbelt alumni represent 31 of 32 NFL rosters. You know, it's called the Fun Belt for a reason. It's a fun conference. Of course, Taylor Heineke played at my school, Old Dominion. Uh, Percy Butler was at Brian Mitchell's school, Louisiana Lafayette. Or is it just Louisiana these days? So anyway, this is cool, right? I mean, cool. You know, and, then, and I go down there, and they've got the list of all these ODU players. Of course, the problem is ODU literally just joined the Sun Belt. <laughs> So Taylor Heineke actually played most of his career um, in the FCS, in the CAA, the Colonial Athletic Association, in one year in the um, Conference USA, which was crap. But anyway, so yeah, I thought it was kind of funny. They're just going to go ahead and take, like, you're, they're taking all the records of the former players at Old Dominion. They're literally in year one <laughs> of being in the Sun Belt. And they're taking all their records. I mean, like for basketball, you could probably pull this off because, you know, way back in the day when I was in college, we were actually in the Sun Belt. Uh, we didn't have football then. But anyway, I thought it was funny. That's the Sun Belt for you, man. They're fun for a reason. That's why they're the Fun Belt. They do wacky stuff like that. All right, coming to the next hour, we'll get into some of the trade possibilities in the NFL off of the James Robinson deal today. Uh, going from the Jags to the Jets. Really nice pickup for the Jets after it looked really awful after the loss of Brees Hall. Uh, and, but they did have some other – they've had – bunch of injuries pile on here the last few days but certainly Robinson wasn't getting the usage he probably should now that uh, Travis Etienne has become more of a focal point of that offense so we uh, shall see how that works out for them but uh, let's get back to the phones before we get to the top of there Ben in Rockville thanks for waiting how you doing tonight Hey man, I would say that it would be quite interesting to see the uh, quarter uh, third string quarterback there of the uh, commanders Start because then you'd have one from NC, one from a, one from a two quarterbacks from predominantly basketball schools. You got Daniel Jones and you'd have him as starting quarterbacks, and both schools are predominantly basketball schools. Schools, they aren't anything special, but they're both on the rise, and we've seen what Daniel Jones has. Sort of curious to see what that Redskins third string quarterback has. Honestly, I mean Daniel Jones, we've seen his his wall. It's just incredible. He's proven everybody wrong, but some of that's on the coach. So you got to on table. So you got you got to be curious. I think you want to be a little bit curious to see that interesting matchup of H ACC quarterbacks. <laughs> a little bit, I guess. I didn't really think of it that way, but uh, yeah, I mean, assuming that Daniel Jones is still playing, then why not? But no, I mean, I, I think you get to that point of the season if you're not in it, 
and, you know, Taylor Heineke's not blowing it up still or Wentz hasn't come back and played for you, played well, you could see him. I, I think there is something – there's definitely – uh, a lot of value in the possibility of getting him on the field just to know what you have. I mean, you took him in the fifth round. You thought he was a steal. Uh, and, you know, you might be right. So we'll, we should find out sooner rather than later, I would think. All right, Ben. I don't know if he was doing like an ACC basketball commercial. Do you feel like he was doing an ACC basketball commercial? I think it might have been. I don't know. I don't know if Daniel – Daniel Jones has had a really good week this past week. But, like, if you watch the Giants, I don't know if I'd say he's at this. He's not had, like, a Geno Smith coming out party by any means. But he's he's definitely been functional. I would say the bigger thing for the Giants has been uh, a fellow named Saquon Barkley actually being on the field. Their defense is a lot better. But, yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones is playing better. But remember, the same group um, didn't think enough of him to pick up his fifth-year option to start the season. So, yeah, he's on a, a, a on a um, contract year. Contract year for Daniel Jones. And, again, we're through, what, six weeks now? Seven weeks. Seven games, I'm sorry, with the Giants. I mean, you know, he's throwing for 175 yards a game with six touchdowns and two picks. I mean, that's okay. I mean, he's you know, his running is what's been impressive. Now, he always ran the ball well against this team, the Commanders. I mean, but he's rushing for, like, 50 yards a game. I think he just had a 100-yard game last week. That probably jacked it up. But, yeah, he's got 343 yards on the ground and uh, three touchdown runs. But, no, I, I don't think, like, he has suddenly changed my mind about him being some type of superstar, but he's definitely functional. And, you know, the price, like anything in life, what's the price? What's the price of keeping Daniel Jones? will be interesting for the Giants. All right, NFL trade deadline next week was a deal today. Who else could be dealt? There are a few commanders on many of these teams or on many of these projection shortlists. We'll get to some of that coming up next. It is overtime. Scott Jackson with you here. Final hour straight ahead here on 1067 The Fan, streaming live on the free Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 